This is a question I've found myself discussing often. Um, how do you deal with resistors early on in the process as you get going? Because there's always going to be a bunch of people who will resist this invitation that you're making. And one advice I've heard consistently from a really great number of leaders who've done this in the past, this kind of journey, is don't focus on the resistors. You know, focus on the enthusiasts. And I can see at least three reasons for that. Um, one is that you want to put energy in the right direction, right? By focusing on the enthusiasts, you know, you're showing where you want to go the journey, and you just somewhat ignore the resistors. And um, over time, there's a chance that they will simply, you know, go along with the energy. Um, a second reason is that you don't want to deplete your own energy. I mean, it just takes energy to engage with resistors, and often it's not very productive. Um, and the third reason is that by you focusing on the enthusiasts, you actually create a space where it's the enthusiasts who can work with the resistors, right? Um, it, it often happens that after a while, the enthusiasts turn to some of the resistors and say, you know what, we're tired of your negativity. Like, you know, cut the crap. You know, if you don't want to go along, do something else. But, you know, don't, don't stop us from doing what we want to do here. Um, and that, of course, is is very powerful. You can put the energy in the right direction, and, and for resistors, it's much more powerful when it comes from a peer than you know, when it comes from, from a leader. Um, that being said, um, I think there's a huge pitfall here, and that is to put people into boxes. Just the way I talked about it already puts people into boxes, right? I talk about enthusiasts and resistors. Um, and, you know, labels are always uh, dangerous. And certainly in this case here, where these things might turn out to be quite temporary. Um, I've heard so many times stories of people who were the most active resistors, who ended up being the real champions um, of the transformation. Um, and sometimes it's simply because these people are really cynical. Like, th those are the people who have the biggest burning desire, the biggest longing, and have been burnt in the past, and they no longer want to believe in it. And so have become cynical and, and, and will resist at first. Um, and, and so there's a risk by labeling things in this way um, that you really start believing these labels and that you might treat resistors really too coldly or just completely ignore them. And I believe that the dignity of the transformation uh, that you're making lies with you know, how you deal with people who sit on the fence or people who are resisting. And so um, when I, I say that you know, this advice from other leaders makes sense to me to focus on the enthusiast, what that means is that you keep doing invitations for everyone. Um, and then you focus your energy on those who take that invitation rather than those who, who refuse it. Um, and I think we just have to, to honor um, that some of that cynicism might be warranted. You know, that it might be that people have really tried in the past and have failed because the system didn't allow them to do what they wanted to do. Um, or people who are in a different sort of experience that you know, have you know, lived in a space of victimhood. Um, and you know, being a victim is comfortable. And, it, and it's a real deep personal change to grow out of that perspective. And I think we, we, need, to, we need to honor and acknowledge that. Um, And I want to give you a totally different answer than the one I gave you, um, which is, well, maybe you can engage with the resistors. Um, and 
And if you engage with the resistors, um, my advice would be similar to advice I've given in previous videos is um, don't stay at the surface level of their complaints and you know because that's stories and you know endless stories. What I would always try is to really explore with curiosity, really go deeper with them and try to see what you know what are they resisting about like what is the underlying need in their resistance um, and you know sort of in the philosophy of, of nonviolent communication the, the need that's underlying um, is is uncontroversial um, they might choose a way to express that need that isn't very productive or helpful for others but but their need is interesting um, so an, an example um, a typical one is in self-management is people resisting because actually they no longer understand how things work around here. They no longer understand, you know, what's expected of me. What? How does this work? What? What? You know. Wow. Well, that's actually you know the need of clarity of being able to contribute of understanding the game of of being successful. Well, that that's a need that we want to treasure. So they are actually helping you see something that is needed in transformation, which is more clarity. There might be, if you're familiar with the stages I talked about in the book, sort of this amber need for clarity. You know, how do things happen around you? What are the practices? What are the processes? How do people make decisions? Um, and so the resistors might actually point you to a real need that the enthusiasts sort of have glossed over. Um, I remember hearing a story of somebody who, it turns out, wasn't so much resisting the change but what resisting that the fact that in the way we went about it and, and like the, the stories were told, nobody was valuing all the good things of the past. And so that person, like she just needed people to acknowledge all of the good things of the past before she was ready to move on. Well, great, you know, now we know. Uh, but it took a little digging um, to understand what her, what her real need was. Um, for other people, it's simply that they've never been listened to. Right? It's, you know, the way we are at work is so transactional. Um, and a lot of people are hurt by that, even unconsciously. They might not even be able to put it into words at first. But they just want to be seen and acknowledged as a person. And so, hey, maybe we need to do you know, a real good listening circle about this transformation and what we're hoping from it and what some of our fears are. And then these people will come along. So I think we can combine these two advices. Um, I think it makes total sense to spend most of your energy um, with those who accept your invitation, so the, the people we could call the enthusiasts. Um, and then also spend some time with the resistors, uh, but don't stay at the surface level. Go digging and find out what is the underlying need, because that could be helpful, not just uh, for them to join and to flourish, uh, but for some of the changes that you might make and that other people might not have, have seen. Um, now, there are certain cases where resistors really sort of cross the line and become people who sabotage the change. And in that case, there might be moments you need to step in, um, and step in quite forcefully and quite quickly. And um, that sounds paradoxical. I, I know that a lot of leaders struggle with this because they have this false idea that sort of in this new world, you know, we, they can no longer be forceful. Um, but in the case where somebody is really sabotaging things, I think you need to be forceful. And I know an example of one particular French organization where um, 
I've heard this really moving story of the CFO who was really going downward, spiraling, was sabotaging, and the CEO stepped in and stopped that and you know took that person out of their role. And a while back later, the CFO came back and with tears, like asked the CEO, like thanked the CEO and said, you know, thank you for, for stepping in. Um, and I thought that was so, so, so touching and so moving. Um, now, before I would step in, I would always carefully look because ideally, you know, if you're the leader, the, the sort of quote unquote CEO, um, you'd want peers to step in. And so I would look carefully and see, are peers stepping in? So I don't need to do it. Um, and if they're not stepping in, you know, what's preventing them from stepping in? Um, and what might prevent them from stepping in is sometimes simply that you haven't created a space um, for peers to talk about how do we feel in this transformation? Um, what is working? What isn't working? Often by creating that forum, somebody will muster the courage and confront a resistor and say, you know, what's not working for me is just the negativity that you bring. Uh, so sometimes, rather than you stepping in, you might just create the conditions, sort of the circle, for people to talk about their experience um, of this transformation and you know, let that peer process happen. Finally, there's a variation on this, um, which isn't so much resistance, but which is apathy. Um, I remember in particular one conversation um, in Chile with um, a beautiful leader who was um, having you know, this big uh, agrarian organization company and he was telling me that it wasn't so much resistance but he just felt that a lot of people were very apathetic and he said you know these are people with um, you know very formal very you know little formal education um, really poorly educated people people who um, are from um, classes that have been looked down upon uh, for a very long time that lack self-confidence in a huge way and and so you know they they're not latching on to this invitation you know to all the new possibilities that, that we're giving them and it was a beautiful conversation we had because I I invited him to, to look at it with the same curiosity I imagine that you know the, these people that um, you know, have been treated in that way in the past. And, and so go at things with a lot of apathy. There must also be some voice in them that is tired of that. Uh, some voice maybe also of, of anger, of, of, of that treatment of, of their and their families and their communities for, for a long time and centuries. And, and can you talk to that voice? Um, and it, it turned out and turned into um, a bit of a, a nice coaching conversation uh, with that person to see, you know, with that leader, you know, tell me more about, you know, how you feel about, about, you know, these people and, and their apathy. And, um, and in the end, if I remember well, this is a while back, but there was something along the lines of, you know, him actually getting in touch with sort of the scandal, the, the hurt of how you know, some of these people have been treated and how they've grown up to feel powerless, powerless and how they, you know, have grown into um, this feeling of protection through apathy. And when he was talking in that way, wow, that was powerful. And so my invitation to him, and if maybe you're in a similar situation, is then to actually take that conversation that you have in your head, you know, and actually share it with, 
I mean, how powerful is it when you engage with people and say, hey, one of the reasons I'm doing this transformation um, is because I feel that the way you've been treated um, is just unacceptable. And, you know, I want you to, I, I see you as full, full human beings capable of doing what everybody else is capable. Um, and, and I want to change that. And I, I don't know how to do it. And I just want to, you know, express how, how I feel hurt about this. And now I want to listen to you and how you feel about this. Um, and I don't know what happened, um, but I can imagine that there's some really beautiful, powerful conversations that happen through that. Perhaps you've noticed there is no paywall, no monthly membership to access this video series. That's because the videos live in the gift economy. This is how it works. I gift everything that goes into making the videos, my time, energy, and insights, and you get to choose what feels right to gift back. Please take a moment to reflect on what would feel good to give in return to help me continue doing this work. Thank you.